Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word that is alive and powerful. I thank you that it is sharper than any toy sword. I thank you for the move of the Spirit. I thank you for your church that is advancing. Thank you for revelation knowledge. Thank you for the Spirit to instruct and to teach. Thank you for your word to revive broken hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. Unite us in your word. Unite us in your love. Build us, Lord, even unto a spiritual house where your glory dwells. I love you, Father, and I honor you in Jesus' mighty name. If you're joining me right now, thank you so much for taking your time and taking uh, your effort to hear and listen to this message. I encourage you to journey with me patiently. I encourage you to follow the whole series. It's a five-part series that we're dealing with the subject of value, the subject of value. And today we are going to be precisely focusing on the value of the Christ. And we are going to premise this teaching and this presentation from the book of John, the text in John 10, 10, which is a very common scripture. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes not but to steal, but to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So our teaching and presentation today is coming from the book of John 10, 10. And the title is The Value of the Christ. Maybe just to be very definitive in my introductory narrative, I want you to understand that value, according to the dictionary, refers to something that is regarded, that is held to deserve, the importance, the worth or the usefulness of something. And also value can just mean principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. So that is as a noun. Understanding the word value as a noun, it means something of importance or worth or usefulness, you know. And uh, as a verb, just generally refers to an estimate of monetary worth of something, you understand. But I want to use uh, the word value from a definition of understanding it as referring to something useful uh, or the usefulness of something or the worth of something. So we are now going to evaluate the worth of the Christ. Is he really worthy to be crowned king? Is he really worthy to be worshipped? Why can't we serve Hare Krishna? And why can't we serve Buddha? Why can't we serve Zoroaster? And why can't we serve Muhammad? All other prophets that we have heard in our lifetime. Why is Christ of great value? Why is he the apex? Why is he the most important figure in prophetic history? So that is what we will be talking about today. And I pray that uh, you journey with me today. So you need to understand now that Jesus is not only, Jesus is not only sent to us for nothing. Jesus is not only sent to us to prophesy about something. Jesus is not only sent to humanity so that he can deliver prophecies, just like Jeremiah. Because if you read the word of God, you will understand that he gave some to be apostles, he gave some to be prophets. Therefore, the same God gave some to be teachers of the word. He gave some also to be pastors of the sheep. 
So Jesus in this category is not sent as a prophet with a purpose to prophesy. Jesus is not functioning only as a prophet to prophesy something that is to befall us. Jesus in his worth, number one, you need to understand that Jesus came as the last Adam with a specific mission. So number one, if we are going to evaluate the value of the Christ, let us look at his mission and his intent and why God sent Jesus to manifest on earth as 100% God and as 100% man. So we understand through the historical narrative of the Bible from the book of Genesis that uh, in the account of creation, God came to the first chapter of Genesis and verse 26 where he made man in his own image. And we see in that narrative that God created Adam and out of Adam, God took Eve who became the wife of Adam. But in the original intent of God and in the original mindset of God, God had created a heaven on earth kind of an experience for Adam. Adam was not subject to depression. Adam was not subject to hypertension. Adam was not subject to diabetes. Adam was not subject to cancer of all other chronic diseases that we may talk about. Adam was not subjected to stress and worry, acute anxiety. Adam was not subjected to the status quo. The environment was not prone to poverty. The environment was readily giving him fresh food. The environment was providing for him everything he needed. He could press a demand and it was so. Adam was fully functioning in heavenly knowledge. He was fully fledged with the revelation knowledge, which means Adam did not need to pray. Adam did not need to do any other thing that we do today. There was no need for him to be in church because he dwelt 100% in the presence of the Almighty God. And in the society where Adam was living, God was there with him. And this is the idea of God with regards to nations, with regards to humanity. God intends for us that even as we journey in life we don't only journey in life without his presence he desires that at your workplace he desires that he dwells there uh, in your house in your car even when your kids go to school god desires to dwell in those places so we see the idea of god from the genesis narrative that god's god's presence was everywhere and all-powerful in its essence so adam did not need to go to church because he was already staying in church if he goes to sleep he's dreaming church things if he wakes up in the morning he's speaking to the lord god almighty even when god checks him on the spiritual radar he would see adam but the bible also talks about a scenario where the first adam failed because god gave the law god gave the first commandment which was a law he says thou shall not okay thou shall not partake of the tree that is in the midst of the garden the day you shall eat of it you will surely die but the enemy came and tempted them the enemy came and tempted him both him and his wife and they yielded into temptation and we see men falling short of the glory of god because where there is the law the law reflects our failure and it reflects God's strength. The law reflects our unrighteousness, but it reflects God's righteousness. So 
The law is there to be a barometer, to be a canon, to test humanity and to test God. So humanity failed on that day. Humanity collapsed on that day. But it didn't show God. It didn't amaze God what had happened in the garden. Because when you read the book of Revelation, the Bible says that Jesus was already a lamp that was slain before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. So we understand that before the crisis came, the solution was readily made available. I don't, I don't think there is somebody hearing me right now. I'm saying that before your problem began, there was already provision set aside of your solution. Your solution is older than your problem. Healing is greater than sickness. Oh my God, peace is greater than war. Oh my God, the, the goodness of God is greater than the chaos that the enemy can bring. Because God is from eternity past. He reigns to eternity future. The enemy is part of his creation. So which means Satan did not exist at the same time where God existed. Because there is no time where God did not exist. But we understand that creation became an event. That is why we read the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis gives us a narrative where life on earth began. That's why the, the word says that in the beginning God created the heavens, the place where the angels dwell, the place where he dwells. Uh, heaven is your throne, the earth is your footstool. God created his throne of power before he can create the earth where we are finding sin. So God reigns far above in strength and in power. And as you are listening to me right now, you need to understand that God reigns supreme above your situations. And this is the authority that you use when you pray. For you are coming from a background that understands that God is all powerful and the solution is greater than the problem. You need to hear this very well and you need to tell it somebody. So as you journey with God, as you journey with God in life, you need to understand that the solution was already there already made available for you and me so when we see the book of genesis now when we read the book of genesis we see the shortfall of adam and his wife they fell short of the glory of god so now the first adam failed the first adam could not make it the first adam could not live life fully in righteousness in full glory but we see now that the purpose why Jesus came was to redeem us from the curse of sin and death, from the curse of the law, from the curse that came as a proceeding of the law. So we see now that the first Adam, although he failed dismally, the second Adam is coming with a purpose, oh my God, that he might give life, oh my God, to those who are weak, so that he might give them life. So the coming of Jesus is he is not just coming as a mere prophet. The reason why we don't serve Muhammad at this point in time, it is because he is not a man who is chosen by God to become the last Adam. He might be the last prophet. He might have come after Jesus and would have prophesied things that are very uh, prolific and gigantic and marvelous. He might have called fire from heaven and fire came down. He might be right, the last prophet. Oh, uh, Martin Luther King might be also the, the last prophet. But all these prophets are not selected by God to become the last Adams. So this is the difference. Hare Krishna is an icon in his own religion. 
he's regarded as a messiah so jesus is coming jesus is coming as the last adam so you need to understand that his worth supersedes the prophetic office his worth supersedes the pastoral office his worth supersedes just a mere prophet his office is greater because he is appointed and chosen by God to become the last Adam. The first Adam in him all creation fell. When we, when we use the law of representation, we understand that in the first Adam all humanity fell. Because of the law of representation. Because we were still in the loins of him. Just like it happened in the book of Genesis whereby Levi or Levi paid tithe whilst he was in the loins of Abraham. So using the same law of representation, when Adam and his wife were sinning, all humanity in him became sinners. So there is no point in life where somebody will say that I'm not a sinner. You are a sinner by implication. You are a sinner by law of representation because by one man sin entered the world and by the other man life also came. So we understand that sin entered the world through Adam but also redemption entered through the man Jesus Christ. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. So Jesus is coming to the world as the last Adam with a purpose to redeem us from the curse of sin and death from the curse of the law if you read the book of romans so you need to understand that this is not just a prophet this is why he is greater than Hare krishna this is why he's greater than Haley Selassie. This is why he's greater than any other icon, the Beatles, than who. We can't compare him as God to the things that he has created. So when we look at the idea of Jesus and the value of Jesus, you understand now from, from the book of Revelation, you understand now from the book of Revelation that there was a time in heaven where the Bible says that there was silence in all heaven. And God was searching for somebody who will be appointed as someone who will go and die to redeem mankind. Gabriel was quiet. Michael was quiet. That's why we don't serve angels. That's why we don't worship angels. All the 24 elders were quiet. And John in his vision said that there was silence for about an hour. And I started crying saying there is nobody who will come and help us. I started crying because I felt helpless in the scene of Adam, in my own transgression and in my own iniquity. John says, I started crying because there was no hope. There was no redemption for mankind. Nobody in heaven, nobody from a higher source, nobody from a place of super beings would want to come down and humble themselves to the, and obedient to the point of death. But the Bible says, while I was crying, the angel of the Lord said to me, weep not, weep not my brother, for the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, has prevailed. And Jesus Christ is the one who was worthy to open even the seals. So I want to speak to somebody and say that this is the worth of the Christ. He is the very man that the universe chose, that God chose to redeem us from the curse of sin and death. We know that the wages of sin is death. So when Adam sinned, he entered or he was initiated into the sin program 
He initiated the button to kickstart the death program. Death became operative. Sin became operative. Wars became operative. All these diseases that we are seeing now, he activated them. All the catastrophes, all the chaos that the world is going through. Adam opened that door. And when he opened that door, there was need for somebody greater than the first Adam. There was a need for somebody better than the first Adam. There was a need for somebody anointed with a messianic grace, with anointed with grace to break the power of death, to break the sting of death and the grave and hell. So Jesus was only found to become that person. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. And so that is why we only believe in him. And that is why we have decided to give our lives to him. For the word says, whosoever finds his life on earth shall lose it. So this is why we have made a deliberate choice to surrender. To come before him wholeheartedly. So I want to encourage you that if you have not made a sincere, a genuine decision to follow after the Christ, this is the time because you now know the value behind the Christ. Glory, hallelujah. Number two, the Bible says that Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this, but my father who is in heaven. What did Peter say? Peter had realized not by flesh and blood. He had come to the understanding. He said, you are the Christ, the son of of the living God. I always tell you, I always teach you, I always instruct you that Christ is not a surname. Christ is a title of function. So Joseph had a different surname because Jesus was an adopted son of Joseph. So Joseph had a different surname and Mary had a different surname. So this was not a maiden name. This was not a paternal name or a maternal name. This was a divine name given to him because of the function and the office that is coming to fulfill on earth. And what is that office? The Bible says in the book of Acts, how God anointed Jesus Christ, glory, hallelujah, with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing good, healing all the sick, setting free those who were oppressed of the devil. So we see based on that scripture, that Jesus is the anointed one with an anointing of a Messiah. Because Christ or Christos means a Messiah or the anointed one. Christ or Christos is the anointed Messiah. So there might be many Messiahs. Nelson Mandela in his own regard was a Messiah to the redemption of black majority in South Africa from the yokes of apartheid. Uh, Martin Luther King in Northern America and America became an icon and a messiah to speak as a voice of the voiceless who are maligned, sidelined, and undermined. So you can be a messiah in the earth realm, but not this kind of a messiah. You can function as a messiah in your workplace and in your house, but not this kind of a messiah. Jesus Christ, the embodiment of God's glory, and power and strength the only begotten son of the father full of mercy grace and truth he is the only one anointed with an anointing of a messiah so god anointed christ as not only his son but as the messiah of the world 
That's why the Bible says in the book of Philippians that and God gave him a name that is above every other name. That is the mention of the name of Jesus. Every knee must bow <laughs> of the things on earth, even of the things in heaven, of the things above to the glory of the Father. So you need to understand that Jesus is anointed. Oh my God. So his anointing carries weight. His anointing gives him value. Oh my God. His anointing supersedes Joseph's Senate. His anointing supersedes Mary's Senate. His anointing is greater and better in all form. His anointing in its power is magnanimous. You can't measure it from the uppermost even to the guttermost. His anointing is endless. Because in him, there is a divine nature that transcends our physical molecular realm. In him, there is a divine nature that supersedes the finite world that we have here on earth. So you need to understand that his name gives him value. His name cannot be weighed on a scale. Not only that, Jesus Christ, number three, is both God and is also man. The first Adam was 100% man. <laughs> the second Adam is 100% God and is 100% man. Oh my God. You need to understand this. We cannot solve a problem at the same dimension that we have created it. We have to apply greater force. The law of Isaac Newton says, if an object is to be in motion, you have to apply greater or equal force for it to be able to be in motion. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so if we are going to push this thing, if there is going to be a candidate to break the curse of sin, the curse of the grave, the curse of the law, he has to be greater than the men, the first Adam. He has to be greater than humanity. He has to be greater than the finite mind. He has to be infinite. He has to be from above. Because whatever comes from above is greater. So if there is anybody who is to operate in the function of the earth realm, who is going to enforce deliverance and who is going to rescue us from the mission of Satan, that person has to be greater than humanity, number one. That's why the second Adam carries a divine nature. And number two, you need to understand that the battle of Adam is not a battle of men. The battle of Adam is a battle that was in, intercepted by fallen angels with a leader, archangel by the name Satan or Diabolos, which means the opposer. Oh my God, the adversary, the accuser, the wicked one. So Satan now does not have an earthly body. But Satan has a, an angelic body. So whether it's terrestrial or celestial, what we understand is that Satan is not a man. So the war of Adam, we cannot deal with it from a realm of men only. Santo Kiladosh. If we deal with it from the realm of mankind alone, we miss the point. We miss the mark. Oh, yo, 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 yo. Is somebody hearing me here? Which means there are some problems in life that you don't need to deal with from an earthly dimension. There are some problems in life that you don't need to deal with it from a medical perspective, from an academic perspective, 
from a marital perspective, there are some problems that you need to enter the realm of the spirit. It's not every sickness that you, sh- you need to take medicine. It's not every challenge that you just need to look for advisors. There are some problems that when you encounter them, when your wine is finished and there is no more joy at the wedding, you have no time to wait for wine to ferment. You will lose time. You will lose a good name. You will lose the joy that was happening. People who speak about the shame more than the good that was happening. So in that time, you need someone who can make a sudden miracle, an immediate miracle. And that which means when Jesus steps into the situation with his divine nature, he overcomes the time limitations. So you need to understand that him coming now, he supersedes the dimension of humanity. Secondarily, he supersedes the dimension of angels because he's God. He supersedes the dimension of creation because he is the creator. So Jesus operates as 100% deity and 100% man. 100% anthropos. Oh my God. Oh my God. I hope somebody hears me here. That we have a God who supersedes earthly problems. We have a God who supersedes earthly challenges. We have a God that when he invades your space. Saladesh. Ah, Abraham sitting in the cool of the day. Waiting and waiting and not finding answers. Three men appears to him and say, Abraham, next year by this time. He said, but it's too late. God says, no, 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 no. I've come late to become the latest. I want to become the latest news in town. So God tells him, next year by this time, you will buy pampas. Next year by this time, you will buy a bootis. You will buy a bottle for the baby because you are going to have a son. Oh, God. I don't think anybody can hear me right now. I don't know. I don't know if somebody is hearing me right now. Let something steer in your spirit to say my Christ is greater. To say my Christ is better. To say my Christ is ahead. To say my Christ. Oh God. So this is the value of the Christ. Hey. We cannot exhaust this. Because in any text, we see him superseding human authority, demonic authority, angelic authority. We see him becoming greater. Even on the Sabbath, they said, is it lawful for your disciples and yourself to break corn on such a day? He said, I'm the Lord of the (laughs) Glory to Jesus. This same God, this same Jesus that we see, brethren, one day will appear for his church and while i'm going to close this episode and this podcast if you have not given your life to such a greater source to such a higher power i want you to recommit your decision i want you to rededicate your life to jesus if you have not fully fully given your life to jesus if you think jesus is just a mere angel jesus is just a joke well i've laid it out for you here is my case this is God's case, no appeal. Yes, it is before you. He is not just a black sheep of heaven. He is the choice, the son, full of grace and full of truth. Oh my God. So if you have not received Jesus today, this is the time. This is the opportunity for you to make that prayer, 
to make things right with your father and i want to pray with you right now we want to call upon god right now and i want you to fall after me say lord jesus i believe i believe that you are the son of god and today father i give my life to you i give my life in its entirety to you be my lord and be my savior come into my heart rearrange my world transform my life bring my life to a place of realization and revelation thank you for washing me with your blood i am now born again i am now a, a child of god write my name in the book of life so that when you appear i want to be with you and if you have rightly said this prayer from the bottom of your heart i want to assure you that you are born again and that you are saved now i want to pray that god will grant you strength father i pray for strength i pray for ability upon your son and daughter I pray that you do a greater work upon them. I pray that you do a marvelous work upon them. I pray that you do a high work with them in the mighty name of Jesus. I give you praise. I give you glory. Amen and amen. May God bless you and God keep you tomorrow. We are continuing with the same series in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.